0: They get back up. This is not our sanctuary as far as being safe. Safety is in the relationship you're in with Jesus Christ. But we get a little building, a little piece of land, and boy, we want to huddle in that and keep that, keep it safe. And you ought to try to keep it safe. Pastor Travis and I was talking about, at what point would we put this property, this building, at risk? And the only time I would really put this building at risk when it comes to the point that the city or state says you have to renounce Jesus Christ, certain teaching can't go on in this building, certain, then they can have the building. Amen. They can have the land, they can have the building. But I've got to be careful when it comes to people. I can't allow one or two Individuals that cause me to stumble so bad that the rest of you suffer and we lose everything because of one or two individuals. That's where wisdom comes in, and don't think Satan won't plot it. Don't think Satan won't do it. And the issue comes around that yeah, I know I'm the church. And I'm going to prevail. How many of you really believe that God's church is going to prevail? Amen. We're going to see the down sin. But it's not because the church is failing. The church is just heading towards victory. Because Christ has already won the battle. But it's a course that has to be taken. That we'll see the smaller numbers. We will see the church suffering. We'll see the church go through things. But you don't stop being the church. Now, that word overcome, we need to understand it. That it keeps me with a vision. If you look at your defeats in life, you won't move. If you look at your suffering in life, you won't move. Some people train a dog with an electrical collar on. And when that dog gets to a place where it's not supposed to be, they kind of zap it a little bit, and that dog knows to stop right there. And they will hear the command. And they teach the dog how far to go, when to stop, what area to be in, and his voice command after a while. Because the collar they can take off. They don't have to shock it because it will recognize the voice command and it just does it. Satan sometimes train us or teach us we can't go this far. Or we can't do this. Or we can't do that. And God is saying, step out here with me. Step out here in the water. No, I can't walk on water. I'm a human being. I know my limitations. I can't go that far. I need to stay in the boat. <laughs> and yet, Christ is saying, come on out on the water. Now is the faith that takes you where? Out on the water. Not your intellect. Not your knowledge. But your faith. For every bit of your knowledge says you can't do it. And that's what we fall into in this entrapment sometime in dealing with Satan. Because Satan knows us because there's nothing new under the sun. And he's been dealing with mankind since God created. And the patterns of people don't change that much. They're basically the same. And Satan is saying, look at that water. You ever seen anybody walk on water? You ain't never walked on no water. That's why you got land. in this building. That's all you are. He says, you are like living stones, are being- I'm <laughs> like it. And you like it. And nothing like it. But there's nothing like the church. And that when you stand in for the joy that you get, the peace that you get, that there's Epcot, what does it mean? E-P-C-O-T. It's an abbreviation. It means experimental, prototype, community of tomorrow. Experiment, prototype, community of tomorrow. That's what Epcot means. That he wanted to build something that didn't look like today. a living God and they thought his dream, his vision could not be realized behind his back company managers referred to his dream as Waltopia from the Greek word utopia meaning no place no place Utopia just means no place, and everybody dreams of a what? A utopia where everything is this way and this, and you have everything you want, no place. It don't exist. And they assumed that Walt was dreaming far beyond his capabilities. After his death in 1966, said '96 it was 66. His successors didn't know how to proceed with Epcot. Company executives who lack Walt's vision or ability to see beyond the formulas and retreat to more conventional concepts. It's hard to follow somebody else's vision unless you caught it while they were what? Living. But the vision has to be set in such a way as this, that the next person can build upon it. Then the next person can build upon it. Then the next person can build upon it. It cannot just be a vision of the individual. It has to be something that is of God, because God is the one who's building it, step by step, life by life, until He comes. God's building something, and you may not see the end of it. But you've done your part. And what's important in the church is that everybody do their part. I may not see the end of it. I may not see the results of it. It may not be all that I want at this very moment. But if I believe I'm doing what God has called me to do, that should be enough. That I'm doing what He's called me to do. and they didn't have the ability. So what's the first thing that they looked at was well, let's reconsider this thing from a point of reality. And the first thing that came up, they said, was economics. <laughs> Isn't that the first thing that come up in the church? <laughs> Somehow from this human perspective, the very first thing we always think about if the church says let's do this or let's do that, the first thing we say we don't have enough money. See? Now in that fashion, the church is like me. Because when Elaine says something, it <laughs> seems like there's never enough money. <laughs> but somehow she's able to get it done. <laughs> but the, the process is this here. First thing we think about is economics, rather than, is this God's will. Is this something God wants done? And how do we confirm it? That God want it done. And if God wants it done, we need to be looking at signs. What is God putting together to help make this happen? See? The second thing they looked at is the operations. Boy, we look how we're functioning. We're doing all right. We're ahead of the game right now. Let's not put anything at risk. We're operating fine. Hey. Let's just stay the way we are. Life will not allow you to stay the way you are. Life won't allow you to do that. Either you are making progress in life or you're going backwards. Don't deceive yourself. Either you're moving forward or you're going backwards. You're never just staying still. And most people are trying just to what? Stay still. Keep the little they have. They're not worrying about progressing or doing better. See, every father should think of his children doing better than what he's doing. But it takes that, you've got to build it in. You've got to put the work in there. You've got to pay for that. That your children do better and live better than what you do. And I understand the thing of the day that we've given them so much that they don't even want to work. No, you teach a work ethic even while you are doing that. You do not leave the work ethic out. And then he goes on to technology. Oh, our world moving into a technological thing. They didn't look at all the technology that Walt has already built in. Walt had his plan so laid out he had already figured out how they were going to get rid of all the garbage in the place that was going to take place. And he was providing for residency for people to live there, people to come and stay, not just for a month, but two or three months. He was way ahead of himself with the Sky Train going all around. He even had churches that he had in each section. He had laid the whole thing out that it would be something that people would marvel at and want to come and stay. And if you're there on the weekend, you could still go to church. And then they looked at the market potential. The market potential. And we're going to be talking about some of that even with the church. Because the church has lost its edge in the ability to market itself to a culture or to a time in which it lives. And how do we remarket ourselves? Not one had the ability to dream or have the imagination of what Walt Disney had. And yet lost out on so much because they could not imagine going any further than what they had already built out in California. Now, where you go to? Should be another one. Do not quench. Vincent Van Gogh, I don't know if, if you ever read about him or seen his painting. He was an abstract painter who had deep bouts of mental depression. Deep bouts of it. But yet loved the Lord and was a dynamic Christian. He makes this statement do not quench your inspiration. Do not quench your inspiration. And your imagination. Do not become the slave of your model. Of your model. I remember the times, boy, when the first envoy, they're drawing us everywhere, looking at this model of the church and model of the church and model of the church. You can't take a model and bring it and duplicate it in your church. Why? The community and everything else around it doesn't fit into your community. Each location where the church is has to know its own community and who they're ministering to and what's going on in that community and where the help is needed and how do we help, how do we minister. And here comes the heavy part. How do we lift it up? How do we make it better? How do we help them to grow? And he says, "Don't get caught in your model, because the thing about your model is this: the model may have only went here, and God wanted to take you up here, but you're going to get stuck right here with your model, rather than looking at what God wants to do with you." he says, "Don't lose your inspiration or your imagination. The church is an assembly of a priesthood of believers. Go with me to first Peter two nine There are requirements in this area, and oftentimes we don't want to meet the requirements and next week we're going to look at." More requirements. He says, one, you can't just put yourself into a priesthood. Nor can you be voted into it. Hebrews 5 says, boy, they were chosen of God. When you go back and note that, God chose the tribe of Levites to be the priesthood. Jesus says in John 15 or 16 that you have not chosen me, but I've what? I've chosen you. It's not up for election. You're a priesthood or you're a priest by being chosen by God. Now, one of the things sometimes as individuals, what we need to do is really get in that Old Testament and learn what were the duties of the priest, and then transfer those duties over into a New testament church. Because, see, God still has a priesthood. As we studied a week or two ago, a priest just means what? To stand. Stand what? Stand being ready to serve. Because another part of the word priest means to serve. But the root part of the word priest means to stand. But you're standing ready to serve. You stand ready to meet the needs of God. To call upon God upon your life. What God wants you to do. You're ready to do that. You desire to do that. And he says you are a chosen priest. You are a chosen individual. You just didn't put yourself in this thing. You are chosen. And now I'm going to build you. I'm going to build you. I'm going to build you to be a godly woman. I'm going to build you to be a godly man. I'm going to build you to be a godly child. I'm going to build you. In such a way that when things come, you're ready to go to work. You're ready to do it. You have the ability to do it. And guess what? In season, out of season, when anybody asks you anything about me, you'll be ready to share. He says, You're a royal priesthood. Think of the two young men over in England Diane's two sons. Prince Edward. Both of them are being trained. Only one of them is going to really be the next king. But both are being trained because if something happens to the one, the other one's ready to step right in. Two brothers. One might be envious of the other one because he knows the older one gets what? The king. But he has to understand something. He's there to support his brother. He's there to help his brother. And if something happens to his brother, he can step right in. And both of them are being trained for it. They weren't born, per se, ready to do it. But they're being taught how to do it. They're being taught how to speak in certain circles. They're being taught how to dress in certain circles. They're being taught table manners in certain circles. They're being taught when you put just two fingers at the bottom of the glass and lift it up, rather than just grabbing it by the hand. Do you know when to grab a crystal glass? You just grab it by the hand, or do you put the two fingers under it, study it by the thumb, and bring it up this way? They're being taught etiquettes whether they want to learn it or not. And they're expected to do it whether they want to do it or not. Because they're royal. You are a royal priesthood. How should you dress? What should be your mannerism out in the world? How do you conduct yourself? Do you know how to conduct yourself in different circles, in different places? Do you know how to speak in different places before different people? You don't speak the same to every crowd. You adjust with it. You try to look at your audience, know something about your audience, know how they're living, know what they're going through. It's always good to get a little information about the people you're going to be speaking to for that you can address their particular needs and what's going on in their life. You need to know if you need to dress up or you need to dress down. You need to know that. How to dress and carry yourself. You need to know when you sit at a table what you need to do and what you ask for and what you don't ask for. You need to know in some countries like we was on an elevator in India and my host kind of took his hand and pulled me back because you've got to give a woman her space in India. Now I mean, I'm just standing there, and they're you know, I went back as far as I think I could go. He took his hand and just kind of pushed me on back. You know. Because, see, you may not know somebody else's culture. In Vietnam, among the monogods, and we didn't know this at first, mountain people, you put your hand on their head, because they were little pygmies. You put your hand on their head You denounced their manhood. And the only way that he'd get their manhood back was by killing you. And some of us lost our lives over there in the mountains because we didn't know the culture of the thing that was taking place. You need to know those things. He says, you're a royal priesthood. Live that way. Dress as a prince, not as a slut. Dress yourself as a godly man, not as some street runner out here running and pimping and doing. What would you think of me if I came up here with all kind of earrings and gold chains and rings on each finger? You would see a different person. You would think differently. We're royal. We're royal. You're a royal priesthood. Then he says you're a holy nation collectively. God has his people as a holy nation. And he says you belong to me. How many of you really understand that? You are no longer your own. My wife would tell you. When I was dating her and boy... One thing I was known for was dancing and so forth, So I didn't worry about what I wore. I put on my old farmer pants and everything and, and so forth, and I'd go to a place, and young girls would ask me to dance with them. Carol used to be one of my dance partners. I didn't worry about how I looked. I knew I had it. I was foolish and dumb. And, and. Elaine educated me in many things. My biggest restaurant was McDonald's. Hers was San Janiti's. Okay. I go out and I, you've heard me say it. I go out and wash cars all day long, and she go eat it up in one meal. She refined my life in many different ways. Because when I first got married, there were certain things I would eat. Well, she broadened that. And things that she wanted to go see a lot of bar teas. You grow and you expand. You grow and you expand. Why? Because you're a royal princess. You're a royal prince. You belong to God. Never forget that. Don't sell yourself cheap. You're somebody. Then he gives your final purpose in that verse too. Your purpose as a priest. He says, That you may declare the praises of him who called you. There's your witness. I'm praising Him on the job. I'm praising Him wherever. I give praise to Him. Why? Because He bought me out of darkness into His what? Wonderful light. He changed, He transformed me. He did something I couldn't do for myself. And that's my witness. That's what I'm telling other people. I'm sharing that with other people. What He has done for me. Now, The church, it has a purpose. Who does the church serve on the Him! Who does the church serve? Him! We proclaim who? Jesus! I go to protect every man, every man.